welcome to the Back Row Cowboys Show, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Back Row Cowboys podcast, a proud part of the Back Row Sports Network. I'm your host, Adam, and across from me, as always, my co-host, Seth. What's up? And on today's episode, we'll be doing a 2020 draft breakdown of all the picks that the Cowboys made just this weekend. Now, on last week's episode, we did a 2020 mock draft using the Draft Network app to use the Cowboys picks to try to you know, fill the what we lost in free agency and also what we lost to to some surprising retirement news this offseason. Now, the draft went a little bit different from Seth and I's mock draft. So, Seth, why don't you go ahead and break down the player we took in the first round? Yeah, with the uh, first pick in the, in the draft for us with the pick 17 was C.D. Lamb, uh, 6'2", 198 wide receiver from Oklahoma. Uh, you know, this is obviously the opposite of what we wanted to do. We wanted to do defense first and then offense. But I'm very happy with this pick. Uh, that it it elevates our offense to an even higher level than it already is. Even though we do need the needs at defense, which we do cover later on. But this man is he's explosive. I mean, he's when the man gets ball in his field, he's a menace on the field. He just uh. He knows how to make plays. A couple nicknames for him real quick. I've heard Yak Daddy, and I've heard Yak Monsters. I mean, right that right there says that he, when the ball is in his hands, he's going to make plays. He can take a five-yard slant to the house in a heartbeat. Yeah, and I've seen that several times just looking at film. when He can turn a five-yard play into a 50-yard touchdown just like that in a blink of an eye. It's almost like he has that – third and fourth gear that a lot of receivers don't have. And uh, you definitely see it on the field. And I'm really excited to what our defense – I mean, our offense is going to look like come next year. And, you know, this this allows uh, all our wideouts, you know, whether it be Cooper or Gallup or C.D. Lamb, they can move all over the field. So you can pretty much put anywhere on anybody anywhere on the field, and the the offense is going to be really good. One thing that this does is, you know, there there are some teams in the NFL where this corner lines up on the left, this corner lines up on the right, this guy plays in the nickel, and they don't, you know, they don't have one guy shadow another. This allows us all three guys have some slot capability. Yeah. All three of them can play outside. All three of them can play inside. This allows us to move people around and find the mismatch. The one thing that Kellen Moore did last year that kind of took Dak's passing game to the next level is he was great at creating mismatches. Cooper, some of his biggest plays were in the slot. Even though most of his tenure with the Oakland Raiders, he lined up on the outside. So this allows Kellen Moore, it allows Mike McCarthy, just another chess piece to move around to create mismatches for Dak. So, I, I love this pick. Now, everyone knows from the last episode, I went to Caleb and Kaysen. He was still on the board at 17 when we picked. I went over to Seth's house and watched the draft. When they took CeeDee Lamb at 17, we both just kind of looked at each other like we were shocked. You know, we never would have thought that wide receiver would have been the pick. But 
it's since come out that he was the sixth player on our board. So we definitely followed our board and went best player available. We talked about that in the previous episode, that the front office of late has been all best player available, and that's worked a lot more times than not of recent. So he was our number six player on the board. So you obviously, you know, that's why the front office decided to take him here. Another note, they said the front office did 20 mock drafts with trades and, and moves and and not one of those 20 mock drafts did CeeDee Lamb fall to them at this pick. So, you know, best player available, helps the offense, gives Dak another big target to throw the ball to. This guy, there's no ball that he considers uncatchable. I watched a lot of film where there were balls thrown on the sidelines that looked like you know, they were two yards out of bounds. He attempted to catch every single one. His catch radius – he doesn't even have a catch radius. If the ball's anywhere near him, he's going to be able to get to it. Yeah, and another thing with uh, with drafting him, that also, you know, you're not going to be able to load the box against Dak. I mean, against Zeke. I mean, it's just not possible when you have those three uh, three type of players on the outside. It uh, it's going to make it challenging for defenses to scheme against us and. <clears throat> overall, I think it. Overall, I think it's a better pick than me and you initially thought. Because, like you said, when the pick was made, we both thought it was going to be chasing because that was our biggest need. And when we heard C.D. Lamb, even though uh, we didn't get our player, the more I thought about it, the better I felt about it. Because, in my opinion, he was the best wideout in the draft and. We got to steal. Another thing I'll add, Philly was trying to trade up a few picks before we were on the clock to try to get this player. So this helps our offense, and it hurts a division rival. Even though they took a wide receiver with their pick, they were trying to come up and get C.D. Lamb. Um, Another thing that could be an underrated um, point Dak is still not under contract. This is another thing that we can present to Dak and say, you know, during this draft we did have some holes on defense, but we got you another target to look at. And I think that everyone can feast in this offense. Now, everyone's not going to have 1,400 yards and 90 catches and 10 touchdowns, but I do think that there's going to be targets for everyone. Last year in 2019, Michael Gallup had a 21.7% target share. Amari Cooper had a 20.7% target share. Randall Cobb, who's in Houston, had a 15.5% target share. So there's some vacated targets right there for C.D. Lamb. Jason Witten had a 14.4% target share. So there's even more vacated targets that have gone. Now another player that's going to get more targets than he got last year is Blake Jarwin. Blake Jarwin only had a 7.7% target share, even though the last two weeks of the seat, well, weeks 14 and 15, he had right around a 15% target share or very close to what Jason Witten got. Now, if we want to look at the target numbers themselves, Michael Gallup, 113 targets. Amari Cooper, 119 targets. Randall Cobb, 83 targets. Jason Witten, 83 targets. Blake Jarwin, 41 targets. Off Cobb and Witten alone, it's 166 targets opened up. 
some of that's going to go to Jarwin. Some of that's probably going to go to Amari Cooper since he signed his big deal. He's now the highest paid receiver in the NFL. And I think Michael Gallup's earned a few more targets. But there's probably still room for 80 or 90 targets for CeeDee Lamb, which is more than enough for him to succeed in this offense. Yeah, like you said, with the vacancy of Brandon Cobb's targets and Witten's targets, I think you're right. A lot of some of them are going to go to Amari Cooper, but uh, I think most of them are going to be split between uh, Jarwin and Ceedee Lamb, and we'll just see how it plays out. I'm excited for what the offense looks like this year so far, and uh, I guess we'll just go ahead and jump to the next pick. And Abel, I'll let you take that on. Okay, our second round pick, pick number fifty-one, we took Trayvon Diggs. Cornerback, six foot one inch, two hundred and five pounds. Corner out of Alabama, brother of Stephon Diggs. So there's some NFL lineage there. We took this player in a mock draft that Matt Bruning, the host of the Cleveland Browns podcast, he did a a mock draft that he passed around all the owners of the um, you know all the podcast hosts, and um, just to try to get some truer. ADP than what the draft network did. Now, Seth and I took this player in that mock draft at pick 51. I love this pick, okay? We had a first-round grade on him. I think he has the upside to be our number one corner. He has the upside in the kind of build like a Byron Jones to step in and take that outside number one corner job. He's a former wide receiver, so he knows route tendencies and route intricacies and he's also he has some ball hawking playmaking ability over the last two years he had four picks and 18 pass deflections and that's the only two years that he's played corner at the collegiate level he spent his first couple years at the wide receiver position they moved him in 2018 which he didn't play the whole year in 2018 he only played six games and then got hurt but the upside is there because for a player that's only been playing the position for a year and a half, he played it at a tremendously high level in 2019. He was an All-American last year, very fluid hips, so you know he's going to be able to twist and turn on a dime. Obviously, he has that ball-hawking mentality that Seth and I talked about on the previous episode underrated aspect he also is a former kick returner and punt returner so maybe he can probably help us with punt returns if he's going to set up to be our number one or number two corner I do not think he's going to get put back there on kick returns Seth why don't you talk to us a little bit about this player and your like or dislike of the pick I don't know that I really have to say anything because I'm looking at my notes right now my notes say good size strength and ball skill combination player a uh, former wide receiver, which is going to help, like you said, anticipate wide receiver moves. Uh, he's a really good press corner. Uh, I think he's going to be good as far as uh, – I think he's going to be a good man and a zone player. Uh, he's he's that ball hog type player that I mention all the time that I've been wanting for years with Dallas. Uh, he's got that uh, ball hog uh, – great eyes to that would allow him to it gives him a lot of jump opportunities when he likes to jump his routes which I understand that that can work against you a little bit but uh I'm like you I love this guy um 
Yeah, I'm happy we got him. And, you know, the Cowboys tried to trade up to get him, but they couldn't get a deal done. And it's great that even though we tried to trade up to get this guy, he still failed our pick. And uh, in our mock draft, we took Jeremy Chin at this pick. But that was because Diggs was gone. So me and you both were big on this guy from the get-go. Now, that was our actual mock draft episode from last week. Uh, just just to clarify how we took Jeremy Chin and, you know, uh, Trayvon Diggs with this. That's two different mock drafts. Um, another thing is, you know, with his brother being um, Stephen Diggs, Stephen Diggs is one of the better route runners in the NFL. Yeah. So if these two train together at all, then he gets to train against one of the better route running alpha wide receivers in the NFL. So I think that can only help him. And also at Alabama – Nick Saban always has a tough defense, and he's also a defensive schemer. So this man, this this player can play man. This player can play zone. So I think, and I think this defense is going to be more predicated on man coverage than last year's team was with Rod Marinelli and with Chris Richard. So we're going to show you later that we definitely have a type of corner that we want. And I think this is the mold of corner we want. We want want someone with long arms, has some speed, can play physical at the line of scrimmage, and can create turnovers. We talked about in the last episode, this defense has not created a lot of turnovers since Wade Phillips was there, which has been a long time. And I'm, I'm excited and looking forward to a defense that's very fast, very physical, and has some playmaking ability on it. The whole – you know, Ben, but don't break mentality that we've been dealing with for the last several years. I'm glad that's gone. The championship winning teams are teams that are fast, physical, and make plays when needed. So, yeah, and you you did mention the uh, the kick return and punt return. This this pick definitely helps us there because you know Cobb was uh, one of our return guys last year, and Pollard was a return guy. So that kind of put takes Pollard out of Holmes way, uh, you know, because we utilized Pollard quite a bit last year in our offense. So uh, I think that's a great addition to our team, and I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, and speaking of exciting, I want to talk about our third pick in the draft at the 82nd pick in uh, Neville Gallimore, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, 6'2 guy, 304 pounds. And I love this pick. After watching a bunch of video, this guy has a motor that is red hot every play. Never takes a play off. There were several plays that I seen on video, and and guys broke it down. You can see his quickness off the snap. There were plays where you literally seen the ball and him move before anybody else did. And – that's great. That just shows the his uh, first step quickness is off the charts. Uh, the dude has a lot of hustle, several moves in his arsenal. <clears throat> you know he's a a bull rusher. He can hit you with the swing move. He can hit you hit. And not, one thing I did notice a lot was uh, his spin move. When he spins, he doesn't spin side to side. He spins upfield, which that's hard to learn. That's hard to teach, really, but uh, if you got something like that in your arsenal, that's that's really hard to defend. 
they say he's a little undersized as far as height wise, but I don't care about all that. Six two, three oh four, and I think that's perfect weight. I think he's a perfect replacement who for uh McCoy. Um I can't I mean I I love this dude's hustle. Another thing I'll say is there there are people that think that he can play a little bit bigger, that he can play at the nose, but I'll agree with you. I want him to stay at right around 300 pounds. I want him to replace Gerald McCoy, not Don Terry Poe. Now, this is like you said, this is an upfield player. This is a person that's going to attack the ball. He wants to collapse the pocket to get after the quarterback. He wants to get the ball carrier in the backfield. This is not a hold and contain defensive tackle. Once again, another player with this fast and physical get-after-the-ball defense, and I love this pick. A couple nicknames real quick. Big Canada. He's also been called the Canadian Bulldozer. And another media outlet said they could not comp him to anything realistic because Godzilla is not real. Now, if we're getting a player that a media outlet is comparing to and the only thing they can come up with is Godzilla, then sign me up. This allows us to – now, everyone knows at Don Terry Post's size, he's probably not someone that's going to be able to take a huge snap, 80, 85, 90% snaps. We also have Tristan Hill who can come in and fill in at the nose. This is a player that can come in behind Gerald McCoy too because Gerald McCoy is a little bit older at the age of 32. This allows us to have a nice four-man rotation amongst two defensive the two defensive tackle positions. The scheme versatility that Neville Gallimore gives us allows us to, if we want to go to a big jumbo package with his ability to push the pocket, maybe we could play him as a jumbo defensive end just on obvious rundowns. That's just an, another thing that, uh, you know, another note that I made is that, you know, he could line up outside. Um, I, I love this pick, like Seth said. I think that we had a model that we were going after in – this draft, and that was players that got after the ball, and we definitely got this here. Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. I don't think that they brought in McCoy and Poe to uh, be high snap share guys. I think there's, there's going to be a lot of rotation in there, and this is a good depth pick, and uh, I love this guy. The, the motor is outrageous. I love this dude. Another thing is, you know, teams – you look at the 49ers. The 49ers had a ton of depth across their defensive line. They were able to keep their players fresh as they made their playoff push. That's what I'm hoping we are doing here. We're, we're getting players and bodies and adding to the depth chart. So, you know, I still think that this is a team that is going to push for the division title and is going to make – has the potential to make a playoff run. We need those bodies to be able to rotate players in and out. Also, another thing to add, he had nine career sacks from the defensive tackle position and then also five force fumbles. Just another stat to add to the fact of we're trying to build a defense that creates turnovers. Yeah, and you mentioned the fact that uh, the experience that we have on the line, we already had the experience with McCoy and we have uh, experience from Poe, but a lot of people forget about Crawford. We still have Crawford on the roster, you know, there are rumors that he could be a June 1st cut, a post-June 1st cut. Uh, but right now we have him on the roster. So that experience as well is going to help move him along as we get through these off-season uh, programs and all that stuff. Uh, 
Um, but like I said, I really like this guy, and I'm excited for the player that he can be. And Abel, why don't you go ahead and just lead us into our our fourth pick? Yeah, and at pick 123 in the fourth round, we drafted Reggie Robinson out of Tulsa. He measures in at six foot one, 205 pounds. Once again, same measurables as Trayvon Diggs. It shows that we have a type of corner that we want. Um, this player is specifically an outside corner. Not a lot of slot versatility with him, but he's a big body press corner that can play on the outside. He had four picks and 13 pass deflections in 2019 alone. Once again, another player with that ball-hawking, turnover-making mentality. Performed at the Senior Bowl, and I really, really like this pick. He's another fast, physical player. One of the things he said on tape is that he is an in-your-face corner. I think it shows that this defense is complete, playing a lot of press man coverage, and it looks like Trayvon Diggs, and hopefully Reggie Robinson will be handling the outside. Cheeky Adobe will also matter in on that. I still think Jordan Lewis is going to get some snaps. I still like those players. I still like Anthony Brown. But we now have a lot of depth at the cornerback position. Seth, why don't you give us a few notes on this player? Yeah, and as you said, that gives us that good depth that we lost when we lost Byron Jones to free agency. But this guy is a, a big physical corner. And I say that, I want to go over a couple of his combine stats. He had 22 reps on the bench press, which was tied for first out of all corners in the league. So that shows you that he's going to be a big physical corner. Uh, His broad jump numbers was 11 foot, which was fourth out of all corners as well. So that shows you the explosion that he has. And he also had a 36-inch vert. So – Seth, do you have a 40 time for him? I do have a 40 time as well. I'm glad you pointed it out because I forgot to say something about it. Uh, He ran a 4-4-40. So, not only do we have a big physical guy, but we have a speedster as well. He's going to be able to keep up with some of those faster receivers. And like you said, uh, he's more of an outside guy. So, he's – that's the only knock that I have on him, that he's limited to where he can be on the field. But like you said, that allows uh, Cheeto to move down and play the slide if we need to. and Or we even keep Anthony Brown on the inside and make sure that he stays on the outside. So we'll see what happens there. And I like the player that he can be. Like you said, this allows for some versatility – Cheeky Adobe is obviously versatile. He's played some inside. He's played some outside. Jordan Lewis has played some inside and has played some outside. So it allows us, you know, we talked about the moving chess pieces on offense. I think we now have some of that same mentality on defense. I think we have some moving chess pieces. You know, Xavier Woods, we talked about in a previous episode, he has the ability to drop down from corner and play some – you know, he has the ability to drop down from safety into the slot corner position. He's a good blitzer off the slot. Um, Cheeky Adobe has been a good blitzer from the slot, so has Jordan Lewis. So it's just – it shows what this team is trying to build. We're trying to build versatile chess pieces on offense and defense that we can move around. Yeah, and, it you know, with the versatility that we're creating here, it makes it harder for offensive – uh, offensive coordinators to scheme to our defense because 
we can move players around so much, and I think that's going to put us at an advantage on defense. Another thing is it creates a lot of competition. Yes. At practice, when when someone gets a rep at, at this position and they just nail it and they just lock down whoever, or if they're on offense and they just go up and make a big play against the defender they were against, it makes the next person lining up in that position to say, you know what, I want to do it better than – C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper did, or on the defensive side, I want to do it better than Trayvon Diggs or Cheeky Adobe did. I, I want to be to show the coach that I'm the best player at this position. Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement with you with, with as far as the depth goes. Depth in training camp brings out the best player or potential of the player because, like you said, they are very competitive to one another and – uh, the only really knock that I have against him is the fact, and it's probably the reason why he's a fourth-round pick, or one of the reasons why he's a fourth-round pick is because he played at a smaller school in Tulsa. Well, the, the one thing I'll say to kind of combat that is he went to the Senior Bowl, so he played well against some higher-level competition, and he also went to the Combine, and, and you know, you gave us the numbers on the Combine. He did really, really well on the Combine. So what we're hoping is – that potential, the potential talent that we saw come out at the combine, along with the play that we saw against the scene at the Senior Bowl against some higher level competition, shows that this player can play up to his competition. And with that, Seth, why don't you uh, go ahead and lead us into our next player? Yeah, with our next player, uh, this one's an interesting player because it actually happened by trade with the Philadelphia Eagles, which is the first trade that we've made with the Philadelphia Eagles during the draft in over 10 years, so or right at 10 years. And uh, this is the last pick in the fourth round. We ended up trading our first fifth, which is the 164th pick, and our 2021 fifth-round pick as well. And the player we decided to select was at pick 146, Tyler Bayadish, center from Wisconsin, 6'4", 314 pounds. Uh, this, is, this guy is a three-time starter. Uh, being at Wisconsin, it shows that he some of his work he blocked for Jonathan Taylor, which was a – High running back in the draft this year. Uh, great run blocker. He's got really good footwork. He's really good at uh, his pre-snap adjustments. The, one of the knocks that I have against him, though, is the fact that he struggles against the power guys. He's not the strongest guy in the world. Uh, but all around, he's a great addition, and I believe uh, that gives us some depth. And I also believe that he could – he can play some guard if need be, even though his main uh, position in Wisconsin was center. Okay. Now, he did start for three years, uh, 41 career starts. They were all at center. But, like you said, I do think he, he can kick inside and play some guard should we need him. He's the Remington Award winner of 2019. That's the best center. Um, just like you, I think he's better against the run than he is against the pass. One of the knock against him is shorter arms, but he's more athletic than what you think he is. You know, a lot of people see him and they think, um, you know, he's not very athletic, but he definitely has 
some athletic traits because we are a team that pulls quite a bit. So I think he has that ability to get out in front and pull. And obviously, Jonathan Taylor had multiple 2,000-yard seasons, and this was the guy anchoring the front of the line. Now, even though they went to the same school of Wisconsin, this is not Travis Frederick. Travis Frederick was a first-round pick. And he was a multi-time All-Pro player, multi-time Pro Bowl player. He's not going to just step in and be Travis Frederick. I still think our starting center for this year is going to be Joe Looney. But Joe Looney has a one-year deal. So this provides valuable depth and some competition for him. He will also push Connor McGovern, who we still have from 2019. But Connor McGovern can also play guard as well. So once again, that's more scheme versatility and it's more competition players pushing each other. I do think that this guy can be the starter for us in 2021. Yeah, and like you said, uh, Looney's definitely going to be our starter this year. And I mean, I don't, I can't really add anything to what you said because you said it all. He's good. He's that good depth guy, and he's going to bring that competition to training camp, and he's going to bring the best out of everybody. You know, to in the middle there, and I, I mean, I like the pick. I think it's a good depth pick, and he will be. Uh, I can see him being a future starter for us. But, like you said, he does need to work on his pass pro. You know, Dak Prescott threw for, you know, 4,500-plus yards last year. So this is a team, you know, once again, adding CeeDee Lamb, having Amari Cooper, having Michael Gallup, Blake Jarwin. While we're a team that still builds off the run, we're going to throw the ball a lot more than we have in previous years. So we do need a center that can anchor against the pass. So I think this is a great pick. Like you said, he can sit behind Joe Looney for a year, bulk up a little. Hopefully we can get him you know, geared up more, be a little bit better against the pass. And in 2021, he should be able to step in and be our center for the future. Yeah, and going to Dallas, you know, over the last seven or eight years, the Cowboys have developed these really good offensive linemen. So you know that they're going to be able to uh, help him with his pass, uh, his pass block ability and – you know the run blocking ability is there. Like we said before, he three year starter and Jonathan Taylor's behind him and helped get him uh picked up earlier in the draft. And one last note on this pick, even though it does ensure our uh depth on the interior line, you know, we're still lacking on the tackles position, you know. Right now we don't have much depth right there and it's only time will tell to see how they decide to approach that, uh, adding that depth to that. So, Abo, if you wanna you wanna go ahead and jump to the next pick. Okay, with our only fifth round pick, you know we had an earlier one, but of course, like Seth described, we we traded it to Philly. Pick one seventy nine in the fifth round, we took Bradley Anai, six foot three inches, two hundred and fifty seven pounds. Defensive end out of Utah. Now, there are several draft analysts that said that this could be the steal of the draft. Um, He was a 2019 All-American. He's Utah's all-time sack leader at 29.5 sacks. He was the Morris Trophy winner in 2019, which is the best Pac-12 defensive lineman as voted by the offensive linemen in the Pac-12. So, obviously, his peers highly respect his game. Last year, he had 12 and a half sacks. 
This player has a large arsenal of moves. He has the handover. He has the spin move. He's got some power to his game. He's a really, really good hand technician. A lot of people think that one of the reasons he fell down draft boards is he he's not a specialist at anything. You know, he doesn't have terrific power. He doesn't have terrific speed. He's just really, really good at everything. And I think – with how our defensive line is being built, you've got Gerald McCoy, you've got Neville Gallimore backing him up, you've got Don Terry Poe, you've got Tristan Hill backing him up, you've obviously got Tank Lawrence on the other defensive end position. I think we're building this offensive line up to where if we even just have this solid player that's good at everything on the other defensive end position, he's going to get sacks just based off the opportunities that the other players around him are going to give him. You know, the defensive tackles are going to push the pocket up the middle. Tank Lawrence is still going to be well-respected and, and, and game-planned for by offensive coordinators. So I think if he can win these one-on-ones and just use the tools that he has, I think the sacks are going to be there. Yeah, I really like this pick as well. Uh, I I think this pick uh, kind of helps us feel a little more comfortable with the fact that we – skipped over Clavion in the first round and took the wide out instead. Uh, in what I've seen on tape, you know, he's got a quick first step. He's a good power and finesse player. So he, he might bull rush you this play and he might spin move you the next play. It's, you just don't know. And a lot of players don't have that versatility. They either have one or the other. And I, I think that's really good addition to – uh, the end position, and nobody expects this guy to go and start right off the bat. You know, we do have Alden Smith, and we do have uh, Randy Gregory, so that will allow uh, him to be able to rotate in and won't be forced in to be a, a day one starter from the get-go. And I'm like you as well, uh, this also shores up the – one side of the ball that we didn't – or one side of the defensive line that we didn't feel comfortable with. Uh, we got good depth all the way across the defensive line, and um, I'm excited as well to see how this uh, – how they all gel together. Now, I'm not sure that this player can be a 10-sack guy, but I do think that he can work in really well as a rotational player. And – can get sacks when the opportunity is given to him. Um, I do think that he can be a seven, eight sack guy. Maybe he can get to ten, but I don't ever think he's going to be the premier pass rusher along the defensive line, but he's not being paid to do that. We signed Tank Lawrence to that massive contract extension to be the focal point of our defensive line. So if we can get Bradley and I to just come in and do his job, win his one-on-ones, you know, I, I like this pick just for that. I think he's got a high motor as well. Something we haven't that's something we we've failed to mention. You know, all these defensive line, the two defensive linemen we've taken both have high motors. And I think, you know, Tank Lawrence, one of the knocks against him is he doesn't always have the hottest motor. So if you can bring in a couple of guys in the draft that just are on every single play and bring that intensity and bring that drive, you know, maybe you can get that chip back on his shoulder and just everyone can can make each other better once again through the depth 
you know, through the depth that the defensive line has. One last note to wrap this player up. He did participate at the Senior Bowl, and PFF graded him very highly on his performance at the Senior Bowl. And I think the reason we were able to get him in the fifth round was his performance at the Combine. Pre-Combine mocks had him as a day-two pick, potentially sneaking into late second, but most draft Mox had him going in the third round. So that's another reason I think that this was a steal in the fifth round. I'm going to trust what we saw on tape versus what happened at the combine. So, Seth, why don't you go ahead and intro into us into our last pick and give us your thoughts on that player. Okay, with our final pick, the seventh round at pick 231, Ben DiNucci, quarterback, uh, James Madison University, uh, six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. Uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. I didn't know a whole lot about this guy until they picked him. So, and I went in and started looking at some film, <clears throat> and I see a lot of things that I like of this guy. And I think he's gonna add some really good competition uh, to Cooper Rush at the backup position. Uh, from what I can see, he's a he's a very accurate. Uh, passer he's better on the run uh, he's not always a look first guy a look to run first guy he does sit in the pocket and he does have good pocket presence uh, but he doesn't have an issue with tucking and run and when this guy tucks and runs a lot of people don't like it at the quarterback position but I do I like it when they look for the contact I like I'm not I don't want to say look for the contact I want to say more so shy away from the contact. You know, if they want that extra one or two yards and not afraid to lower the shoulder and try to get it. Um, a quick note on some of his stats. Uh, in 2018, he had 2,200 yards, 68% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. He also had 433 rushing yards with nine touchdowns. Um, 2019, uh, you'll be able to tell from the stats that he progressed much better uh, from 18 to 19. He had 3,400 yards with a 70% completion percentage. So that shows the accuracy that he still has uh, with 29 touchdowns and just six picks. And he also added 569 yards uh, with seven touchdowns. Uh, with se- yeah, with seven rushing touchdowns as well. So, uh the uh, the stats from 2018 to 2019, but the biggest knock that I have on him was is the fact that you know he didn't start at James Madison. He he originally started at Pitt, and that's a a, a, a higher tier of competition. And he did not do very well. He um, he struggled several times. He did. He won the job, lost the job two different times before he finally said, you know what, let me go ahead and transfer and reset myself. And and obviously that turned out to be a good uh, decision on his part because you could see from the stats that, you know, he was able to start his last two years of his career and his stat progressions went up from 18 to 19 and ultimately allowed him to be drafted in the seventh round. Yeah, I, I like this player. Um, I think he's going to provide valuable competition against Cooper Rush. 
for the backup job behind Dak. So even if he comes in and he just pushes Cooper, that's ultimately a good thing. Now you mentioned he's accurate. You mentioned he has some athleticism. And you mentioned he's also better on the run. We run quite a bit of boot action. So this is a player that we can use to help in practice run some of that boot action. Um, Like I said, I also enjoy the accuracy. I like the fact that he progressed from one year to the next. And it, it looks like, you know, he was able to look internally when he was at Pitt and say, you know what, I'm in a little bit over my head. Let me take a step back and reset, like you said, and go to James Madison. And like you said, that ultimately was a great decision because he got drafted. I don't think any Dallas Cowboy fans look at this pick and say, I hope that he can help do great things for the team. The hope is that he comes in, he pushes Rush, and maybe he can be another set of eyes when all three quarterbacks are in the room reviewing game film with the coaching quarterback, with the offensive coordinator. Maybe he's another guy that can be a good set of eyes that can look and say, you know, oh, man, you missed this read here. You know, oh, you caught Blake Jarwin in the flat. But if you looked, Amari Cooper was just breaking off his corner. So since he has plenty of starting experience and obviously he has some good stats, this is just another player that we've drafted this year to come in and bring in some competition. Yes, it's just for the backup quarterback position, but that's still a necessary position on the, you know, on the team. Everyone's hoping that the Dak deal is getting done. Obviously, the team came into this draft believing that the Dak deal is going to get done. But this player is going to bring in some competition for Cooper Rush, and I think we're just trying to create a model on this team where you know it's going to be competitive. You're going to have to come in and work your butt off because there are other players that are coming for your job, and I think that's what it's going to take to get us to the next level. You know, we've won division titles. We've gotten into the playoffs via the wild card, but we haven't been able to take that next step to the NFC Championship game, to the Super Bowl. You know, and that's where this team is used to being at least 20 years ago. You know, the last 20 years we'll make the playoffs and get out in the first round. You know, we have two playoff wins in the last 20 years. And and I think that we're just trying to create a, mo- a model of competition. This player drives that player, and that, along with just the talent on the team, that's going to be enough to bring us to the next level. Yeah, I really like this draft and how it uh, played out for us. Um, it it uh, filled all it for the most part. It filled all our major holes, and you know we had the luxury of getting the best wide receiver in the draft as well. So overall, I'm happy with the way this draft turned out, and I'm looking to see how the all the competition uh, turns out in training camp. And to just give, you know, my thoughts on the overall draft, you know, I think we what we set out to do, not exactly in our mock draft, you know, we didn't hit the exact speed on defense and heavy on the defense early, but I do think that we checked all the boxes of upgrade the offensive line depth, add, you know, some power to the offense, add some skill to the offense, and hit the defense. We added two Big physical corners that I think is going to set the tone of what this new defense is going to be. While we didn't get, 
you know, probably the star pass rusher that I think some of us wanted at pick 17. We did get a guy that's going to work hard, that has a very, you know, a varying skill set. And a lot of people, you know, think he was just a steal where we got him. And, you know, also we did upgrade our offensive line, at least the interior. Now we're still lacking some depth on the tackle position, but we still have Tyron Smith, a Pro Bowl talent at the left tackle position, and Lionel Collins, who was playing like a Pro Bowler last year at the right tackle position. So as long as our entrenched starters at the tackle position stay healthy, all we have to do is add some depth behind them. Yeah, and one other hole that I don't feel like we completely addressed, but uh, we'll probably address uh, between now and training camp is the tight end position. Uh, right now, you know, we do have we have depth. We do have Jarwin, we do have Schultz, and we do have uh, Blake Bell. But we only have one known consistent pass catcher. You know, Blake Bell is more of an inside block guy. And in my personal opinion, I think uh, Schultz is more the same player as Blake Bell. And we'll see uh, just how they decide they want to address address that uh, position, whether it be, you know, sign a undrafted free agent or maybe another cap casualty player going down closer to training camp. Yeah, you and I, you know, in, in, in the mock draft episode, we took Steven Sullivan and we really liked the thought of adding some, you know, some seam attacking speed at the tight end position. And I think that there were three players in the seventh round at our pick at 231 that we could have taken. One was Steven Sullivan out of LSU. He was drafted 20 picks later by the Seattle Seahawks at pick 251. The other two players both went undrafted. One was Thaddeus Moss, who was since signed with the Washington Redskins, and the other being Hunter Bryant out of Washington. He signed with the Detroit Lions. Uh, the last two players is undrafted for agents. So, you know, I think that's one reason why when we were breaking down Ben DiNucci, you know, I talked about how, you know, as Cowboy fans, it, it was hard, you know, to get excited about the pick because, you, you know, you didn't think that he could be a player that could potentially, you know, help the team other than being competition for Cooper Rush. I think, you know, if we take a Steven Sullivan there or if we take a Hunter Bryant or if we take a Thaddeus Moss, we could add some more scheme versatility and get a seam stretcher out of our number two tight end. Because as Seth said, right now we have Blake Jarwin, who's extremely athletic, who performed big when given the opportunity. We just gave him an extension. But Dalton Schultz, more of a blocker. Blake Bell, more of a blocker. But he is coming from the Kansas City Chiefs. So he has a Super Bowl ring and he has some experience. And I think that's a benefit that hasn't been discussed yet. But while we did not address kind of that skill, speed, second tight end position that, you know, Seth and I were kind of hoping, I think we checked pretty much every other box. So I think Seth and I are both excited about how this draft went and really encouraged going into the 2020 season and see how these talented players can hopefully get this team to take the next step towards winning the division title again and maybe even more. And on next week's episode, Seth and I will be discussing um, some NFL free agents that are still out there that we think can help the Cowboys in the 2020 season. So, Seth, to wrap up, why don't you give us your social media account? 
That's uh, at Seth Rob eighty five, and I'm at a underscore Bo six fifteen. Now those are both our Twitter handles, and once again, we're avid fantasy football players we would love to get your fantasy football questions your cowboys questions and we'll be here to answer both of those for you and also remember to support the other back row podcasts that are out there we have 12 teams right now on the network and those teams are the dolphins the patriots the jets the browns the ravens the steelers the texans the raiders the cardinals the packers the giants and the eagles so if there are any teams out there outside of them and the cowboys that you're passionate about please hit up jeremy barker at back row show and express your interest in doing an nfl team podcast there's still 19 teams out there available, you know, for the picking. So if you have, you know, the drive and the desire to learn, even if you aren't an experienced podcaster, this network will help you get off your feet and get running. It's a great group of guys, and they helped Seth and I get this show up and running. You know, this is Seth and I's very first show. You know, we had no experience coming into this, but we had the drive, we had the desire, and some of the more experienced hosts on the network have helped us get this thing up and running. So until next week's show, we hope you're all still staying inside, being safe. You know, it looks like things are getting better, but, you know, there's still some uncertainty out in the world. So we do hope that everyone's out there and still staying safe and staying healthy. And until next week, have a good night.